Hello, what's this week's sport going on? Salford City Radio and Rapaxon. Um, we're here talking all things sport in Salford. Uh, this is a special soul. We've got a recording uh, of our interview with Salford Devils forward Greg Burke, and then Paul and James will talk about big fights coming up over the weekend. So we're going to start with the interview with Salford Devils forward Greg Burke, and he tells us about his career in rugby league. Special guest on the show today, we've got Salford Red Devils forward Greg Burke on the show, ready to talk about his career. Uh, welcome to the show, Greg. Cheers, Paul. Thank you very much. Looking forward to talking about all, all your career and all the good times. Yeah, obviously, um, you know, it's, when I, th- I still think it's not been so long and and then when I look back, it's probably been close to 10 years now. So it's, it's um, you know, a lot of the old times say it flies by and they're definitely not lying. Yeah. So we'll start at the beginning. Uh, born in Wigan in 1993. Uh, what was it like growing up in Wigan in the uh, the late 90s, early 2000s? Yeah, I mean, um, obviously Wigan's, it is, it's always, it always has been um, rugby league mad. Um, back then, obviously, there wasn't, so, there wasn't so much of a, um, as big as a pull that the uh, Wigan Athletic had. Obviously, once they got in the Premier League, then that sort of took over for a while. Um, but no, growing up, it was very much a um, rugby league dominated town. Um, and then that was it, really. But to be fair, I, I, didn't, I, I think the, my earliest memories of rugby league is um, watching my brother play. He played for a school team at Central Park. Um and then I would go and watch him on Sundays when he was playing for his amateur team. Uh, and then, and then apart from that, I think going off the professional game, I think the main, my main first memory of watching Wigan was um, the '98 Grand Final, Jason Robinson's try. And I, I then tried to emulate him by running around and skidding all over the carpet, uh, you know, giving myself carpet burns and stuff. So um, not the best idea, but you know, that's my earliest memory. And then obviously. As I got a bit older, then I started to get into into playing and stuff, and um, we, we was away then. Yeah, you started was it Ince Rose Bridge, your amateur club? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there was St Williams then. Um, there was there was a team called St Williams, which is it's a funny story really about that because what happened was um, my dad had been trying to get me to play <clears throat> like an amateur team, um, and he'd asked all the local teams to us of St you know St Pat's, St Jude's, St Cuthbert's, all these all these sides and then um, I always, I just kept batting away. I didn't want to go. And then it came to it that a kid um, in my class at school, it was a bit of a, a bit of a rum card really. Um, and he was like, oh yeah, I play for a team called St. Bill's. I was like, oh, all right. Well, I know, I'm, at least I know somebody now. Because that was the thing. I was a shy kid really. And I didn't want to go somewhere that I didn't know people. And he goes, and he got to play for St. Bill's. So I was like, brilliant. Um, I'll join there. So I've, I've gone home to my dad. I said, right, I want to play for St. Bill's. And he's like, St. Bill's, it's like opposite side of Wigan. It's about a 20-minute drive for us. Um, he's like, right, OK, well, at least he wants to go. So my dad took me down. Um, we got there, and then we asked the coach, oh, yeah, this 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 kid plays um, who he goes to school with. Told him his name, and he's like, I've never heard of him. <laughs> he'd been to one session, like, two years previous, and that was it. He'd never, he'd never been. He, but he was telling me, like, oh, yeah, I play, I play for them, and I do this and that, and... So I mean, I was stuck then because obviously I, my dad had got me in the door and then I, I wasn't allowed out. So, but luckily, you know, um, it worked out for the best. Yeah. Do you think obviously rugby league at a young age sort of brought yourself out of yourself? Obviously, said you were you were a shy sort of boy. Yeah, it definitely did. Hundred um, percent. I think that was it. I was a shy kid, and then obviously going round 
you know, and Ince, to be fair to it, is it's quite a rough and ready area of Wigan. Um, and, the, and quite a lot of the kids who played for the team were that. And uh, they sort of brought me up my shell. Um, but obviously, um, you know, that's it's worked out. Like I said, it's worked out for the best. And, um, you know, from, from that little... You know, a little fluke sort of incident is, you know, it's given me a, it's given me a brilliant laugh so far. Yeah, you went to school at, is it St. John Fisher's? Um, looking at the sort of into the school, they produced some fantastic sort of rugby league uh, talent like like yourself. Uh, the likes of Sam Tompkins, Owen Farrell, uh, Ryan Lannan, uh, Sean O'Loughlin, Sean Edwards, uh, Chris Joint and Mike Gregory. Is there something in the water in that school or what? Well, to be fair, yeah. I think, you know, it's a... It's a school that sort of steeped in rugby league history. Um, obviously, as you just named, you just named some absolute legends. There, you know, there's even, even more lads, you know, that are still knocking about playing now, and you know, lads who didn't sort of reach them heights but still had a great career that have played as well. So, if you go through the school, I mean, there's there's a big wall full of it's like a they call it a wall of fame type thing, and it's all the people who've gone on to to play sport and do whatever, and it's like 99% rugby league. A um, couple of rugby union guys, and then I think it might have been a netball player. She played for England or something. So, yeah, it's uh, very much a rugby league school. Yeah. So you you were setting the uh, the Wigan amateur scene alight, uh, and then you obviously got to the sites of of, of your local what sort of Wigan Warriors. Uh, how did that occur? You know, them picking you up. Well, that sort of came. Uh, that sort of came from me being. What would that be? I'd have been, well, I don't even know the team stuff when I was 11. Uh, and then from there, it got them to like the service area and things like that. And and then obviously at 13 years old, you can get a scholarship. Um, and then Dean Bell was the head of youth at the time. Um, Dean Bell and Brian Foley, um, they just sort of got hold of me. Once a bit of time for Wigan, obviously as a kid, you know, you think of Dean Bell and, you know, what a player he was. Um, so... You know, for, for him to be asking and saying you're a good, you know, you're a good player and you need to, you know, we want you at Wigan and things like that. It's, it's music to your ears. Um, so obviously, I, I was in there and then from there, I just, well, I never left. Yeah, I just stayed there. Um, to be fair, and it, and it was, you know, it was a, a a good move I thought because end of the day, you know, it's one of the, it's one of the best places to learn. You, you learn your trade in rugby league. Um, you know, and some of the things that they taught us very early on, especially skill wise and stuff, as has stuck with me and it's sort of uh, stood me in good stead. Was it was it daunting? Obviously, the first day when you walked in with all that history and all them sort of players around you. I mean, it is. I mean, um, it's more so looking up at the, the years above. Obviously, on scholarship, you sort of you know you're a kid and stuff, but then you look at these players and we got to train. We got to train at the east. They used to train at the east stand at the DW. So the first team and everybody was in there. So obviously, we come in training some days and. You know, we'd be seeing some of the first teamers. We'd be doing extras, or we'd be doing physio and what have you, and just seeing them type of people. And you know, obviously, <clears throat> as a kid, you know, they're, they're your sort of superstars rugby league, um, especially in Wigan, because you know you don't, you know, you don't, you don't get to see the <clears throat> like your footballers or anything like rugby league sort of the superstars of the town, and sort of to see them, them people, um, and see what they're doing, and you know what what it takes to sort of be where they were was, you know, it was it was. I wouldn't say it was daunting, but it was definitely something that you, you know, a bit, bit awe-inspiring, and you know, you wanted to try and emulate. Yeah, you, you went on loan a couple of times to help your development. Uh, you went to you went to Bradford, but you dislocated your shoulder, didn't you? Uh, was, was that was that a, like a bit of a blow? That obviously, you know, because you obviously looking at Bradford as a vehicle to to improve. 
Yeah, definitely. That was a that was a funny week. I mean, I played for Wigan on the Sunday. Um, Wayne got me in Monday. Said, "Oh, what, what need to go on loan for a month?" I was like, "Right, I know." I said, "Good fit playing every week. You're not guaranteed to be playing here." I was still in the youngsters. Like, right, okay, no problem. Signed, went went there on the Tuesday. Trained up until Friday. Played Hull Friday night. Dislocated my shoulder. Was back at Wigan on Saturday. So. Oh. Um, from a rehab and things and obviously it was just a bit of a blow and then um, that was I was going to do my rehab at Wigan and then I was going back after that but then the coach got sacked so obviously a different coach you know has his own has his own different um, opinions or he wants his own team to do whatever um, so yeah so I stayed at Wigan um, for the rest of that year Did, did you go to Workington on loan as well at one point? Yeah I think for the rest well yeah that, that was more of it I don't think it was a loan. It was more of a dual reg, dual right. uh, reg sort of um, arrangement. Really, I wasn't. I wasn't never on loan. I just sort of go up at the weekend, do team run, and then and then play with uh, play with the Workington fellas. Uh, which again, that was another good, a good, um, a good sort of lesson in rugby league, obviously, because they're absolutely mad for it up there, mad for rugby league in Cumbria, um, and they were like they were the same, but they they knew you and stuff. And I'm thinking, I'm only. Like a twenty-year-old kid who'd done absolutely, you know, done nothing. But they, they all, everybody knew who you are and they knew your name and things like that. And so what's going on here? But they, obviously, I spoke to Mossop and that, and he said they said the mad for Wigan and Saints up there. Um, they absolutely love Wigan and Saints. So um, yeah, so that was again, that was a good, but it was a good thing as well because obviously they weren't sort of the, they weren't the by far they weren't the best team in the league. Um, so it was always a good tough game really because you had to sort of try and stand up a bit obviously because you were coming from Super League and trying to prove a point yeah obviously structures change as the years go on you have dual reds then you watch talk about reserves do you, do you think what we're trying to think the best option for the players coming through what do you mean dual reds or playing like reserves if you like had a reserve team or, or is it better being yeah. like you you go to, to Workington and, and sort of play play there to improve yeah for the kid coming through, I think a reserve a reserve system might be better. If I'm honest, only only because um, obviously you look you're playing in the same systems that you're going to be playing in and learning every day. Um, whereas obviously you're going on loan or you're going on dual reg, especially you're going to teams that play a completely different way to where your parent club play. But then they're wanting you to stand out and things. It's like well. They, you know, they want you to play a certain way, and they want you to do different things that you would do at your club that, that stand that that sort of you know helps you stand out. So um, I would say so that the, the reserve system, but obviously that's just that's just a bit of a I don't know what it is now. Um, you know, I think it got cancelled last year, and yeah. whether that happens again this year with all COVID, it probably won't. Um, but you know, end of the day, if, if the club, uh, if the club, sorry, if the game can. I don't know whether they can sort of work on that in the future, then I think that's the best way to go. Yeah, looking obviously through your sort of academy years, you represented England and did you tour France? Yeah, I've done, I've, I've, yeah, up until I was 18, I've, I've toured France, um, played for the school, England schoolboys, played France, uh, then went on academy, toured France, played against the school, Aussie, Aussie schoolboys in 20, yeah. 2010, uh, beat them, beat them over, to, over, over a series. So, um, yeah, as a kid, obviously, I used to get picked. I was fortunate enough to get picked on all them things, and they were, they, you know, they were, they were good times as well, especially beating the Aussies. Yeah, yeah. You you got the opportunity to, to move to Hulkingston Rovers on on loan. Uh, Chris Chester sort of picked you up. 
Uh, what was that like moving to Hull Kingston Rovers and out of the uh, the Wigan bubble? Prefer, I was really apprehensive at first because I'd never known anything but Wigan. Um, and obviously, it's, it's a bit different to when Bradford worked. Obviously, Bradford's like an hour driving for that. You can get in and out. Whereas, obviously, at Hull, you've got to, you know, you've got to, while you're there in the week, you've got to stay there. Um, that's, you know, that's pretty much, it was like a big move, sort of getting away from home, getting out of your comfort zone. And obviously, I was a bit apprehensive at first. But then, you know, if I've, I've said it, I've always, well, since, since it happened, I've always said it's the best, best thing I've done for my career. Um, to maybe realise that there is more to especially as a Wigan kid like I've said a few times now but it, there is more to life than Wigan um, you know Wigan, Wigan rugby because uh, that is what you know, as a kid that's what you sort of want to do and want to do, you know want to you want to play for them and all this stuff but once I went there you sort of realised you know there's a lot more to rugby league than just playing for Wigan and I absolutely love my time at Bulkia okay, met some good good mates who I'm still mates with now um, obviously Ken Seo, he's a, he's a, he's one of them who were there then. Chris Wellham, but then lot different ones like um, Josh Mantelato. He went back home, um, so you know I'm still still in touch with him. Uh, so 2016, you were sort of coming towards the end of your, your time at Wigan. Um, you said obviously you went to Hawkins the Rovers and and you felt like you, there was an opportunity to go and grow outside the, the Wigan bubble. Um, yeah. What made you choose Witness? Um, if I'm being brutally honest, it was sort of not forced on me, but it was, um, yeah, I mean, Wigan, were, Wigan had told me that they weren't sort of keeping me for the year after, um, which was fine. You know, that was, you know, it is what it is, something, you know. Uh, the main thing was they were, they were signing a, they were signing a big, big, uh, big name from Australia. I think it was New Sala, uh, which obviously for them didn't work, you know, whatever happened there. Um, so yeah so obviously that occurred and then it was more of a case of you know you're not going to be here next year there's an opportunity to go to witness start thing and I spoke to Dennis uh, at the end of the day I thought well I know, I, that was the main thing after really I, thought, I just spoke to Dennis and I thought well because you know he, he, he gave me a, quite a bit of quite a good a good few raps and stuff when I spoke to him and then I, that was when I decided to go um, and I, obviously I went I went mid-season in 2016 um and then obviously, yeah. So I went to witness from there. And end of the day, I wanted to try and I wanted to try and become like a not not just a bit part player or a kid, you know that type of thing. I was still young at the time, so I wanted to try and grow a bit and try and help. Um, um, and then obviously, I went back to mid mid twenty sixteen. Had a good, that first first six months was a really good time. And then the year after was um, leading into that year. Sorry, I, I just had a really I struggled with the pre-season in terms of like my body. Um, I had like a really bad, really bad problem with my ankle. Um, that, had, uh, that had occurred when I was at KR playing against Wigan. Um, I got an injury, um, and then yeah, it just it just sort of never got fixed. Never got fixed. Didn't really get treated well. Just sort of got jabbed up so I could play week in week out type thing and. Um, you know, it, it took its toll really on my ankle and it comes to a point where like a lot of people, obviously, um, you know, I couldn't really train in that pre-season. Um, just a few things really that didn't go right. But like I said, just to the extent of that injury side thing, I was struggling to, you know, get upstairs properly. I, I was like walking upstairs like the Penguin, you know, from um, Gotham yeah. with, the, with the club up type thing. That's how, that was how I was trying to get upstairs because I, right. I couldn't bend. 
couldn't bend the ankle correctly. So um, obviously it's, fun, it's funny to look back at now, but um, it's also the case of obviously I got quite a bit of stick off off uh, some sections of of the uh, you know witness fans for me for my size and stuff at the time, which obviously is it is what it is now, but. Um, you know, there was a reason to, obviously there was an underlying reason as well that, that, that a lot of people didn't see. Um, so, yeah. Is it, is it obviously, you, you talked about your size, is it sort of difficult for you to stay in the sort of the zone where you feel physically able to sort of make a big difference on the pitch? What's that, Paul, sorry? You, know, say, you say about your size and, and the witness fans getting on top of you, and obviously you, yeah. you, you're fit now and, and you look the part now, do you have to work yeah. sort of super hard to, to stay at the sort of the weight that you are now? Uh, no, I wouldn't say I don't. I wouldn't say I do. No, I think it was more a case of, um, if anything, it was more a case of just obviously getting that fixed for one, yeah. getting my ankle fixed, which I, I had that operation done, which then would allow me to train. And yeah. obviously, it's, it's a, from where it was to where, to where it is now, it's it's um, it's a hundred times different. Um, which allows me to, you know, to train properly and to, and to do everything I need to do. But also, since, you know, you know, I started back in back end of my time at Witness, I was starting to get like I used to be, you know, sort of trimmed down quite a bit. But obviously, still, still, you know, a bit, you know, a bit, bit on the big side. And then, but I was, I was trimmed down. I was getting back to where I needed to be. And obviously, that sort of were, were, um, were what sort of came in and. You know, it's it's it said that he liked what he what he's seen in me and stuff, and then just getting to speak to uh, him, GB, and then I had um, obviously I had a bit of time. My first obviously in that first loan period at Salford, where I think I got an injury, so I managed to get two or three weeks, and we just had a really good tra- tra- basically train me train me backside off. at uh, really well. Et, Basically, like a, it was crazy, real eating, but well, yeah, it was extremes type stuff, um, you know. But it worked. It, it just stripped, it stripped a lot of stuff off him, and then from then since, I've just been, I've stayed at where I am, and I've never sort of, I've never drifted out of that, and uh, you know, it was a sort of, it was a sort of making of me, really. Yeah, so you talk about Ian Watson sort of selling you the club and and sort of inspiring you to this opportunity. Um, Obviously, yeah. now you've been at Salford for a couple of years, well, for a few couple of years now. Um, what's the club yeah. like now compared to what it was like then? There is, there has definitely been a huge, huge change. I think in terms of the attitude um, among the playing group. Um, back then, when I first came. Um, you know, if I'm if you know if I'm being completely well, obviously I'm going to be completely honest with you. When I first came, I thought, well, it's better than Witness because Witness were really struggling. And I thought, well, Salford obviously they weren't much better in terms of the league standing. But then I looked at it, I thought it's better than Witness. And plus, I've got my mates, I've got Moose, who I you know I was really close with from Wigan days. Um, Chris Wellen was there, so I knew all these people. Uh, got obviously got really good mates with uh, Tyke. Tyke was at KO with me as well. Uh, Flash. And there was just a re- and then once I got there, there was a really good. You could sort of feel there was a completely different attitude to where our witness was, and then our, our, the team was at Salford. Um, and then since then, that's just kept going and going and going. Um, obviously, we've, we've changed. The 
team's changed a hell of a lot since since the first year. There's hardly any left since then. Um, you know, but it, it's, it's all been, I 100% think it's all been for the better as well because the the attitude, um, you know, among the group now is a, is a really good one. And it's just a really good, um, really good team, you know, a good team atmosphere as well. You know, there's, there's people sort of been in and out who were a bit, um, you know, could sort of really fit into that team thing. But, you know, especially last year, there was a really good team bond in the side. And, you know, it's been said so many times by, you know, the lads that, you know, we look for each other and things like that, but we really do. Um, we look, we look out for each other on the field, and um, I think that's one of the main things that you know we've got a really good, a really good uh, environment. Yeah, uh, 2019. What a great season it was uh, for Salford, reaching the grand final. Um, sort of looking back, was was there a certain point in that season where where you thought, you know what, we're going to go all the way here? Yeah, it was funny because um, I remember we. we pl- I think we just got beat off KR in the cup, which we we had in our heads, right, we're going to have a real good dig at this. Because being realistic, you know, we'd, we'd come from middle eights, but we would play, obviously we had a, you know, we had something about us in 2019 and we thought we can have a real dig at this Challenge Cup. Uh, we think Super is going to be a bit too far away. It's not really going to be realistic. We want to try and get up there, but we want to have a real dig Challenge Cup. First round, get pasted off KR, played poorly. We're all sat there thinking, well, that's you know that's us pretty much, you know pretty much done. We were, at the time it was a little bit scratchy form wise. We win a couple, lose a couple, so it was all up and down. And then I, I remember we had uh, we had like a little coffee club going. There was me, Gil, Moose, uh, Tyke, Flash, and we were all sat around having a coffee. And then um, what was it? What we said? I think we I think we were playing. Might have been playing Catalan or Warrington and Catalan. There was two games. Basically, I remember I remember Tyke saying, "If we don't win one of them, we're not that we're done in terms of we can't get in the playoffs." And that was the week that I think JJ came, Tui came, yeah. And then from then on, we never lost. <laughs> that was that was that Warrington game, and then we just didn't lose a game. And then each week we'd go, we'd sort of sit with each other and be like, "We can't get to a grand final, can we? Surely not." But obviously, you know, we'd, we'd win another one. It was like, "Surely not going to get the win another one." I think we might get there, boom, and then that's just sort of kept going and going. And we thought, you know, even even the even the the week before the grand final, we were just all sat there and uh, just sort of all having a laugh, and we just we just be saying like, "Wow, Salford's in a grand final. Like, we've done something here. We've done something really, um, you know, really historic. Really, to, you know, to be let's be honest about it. Um, you know, it would have been." It would have been absolutely unreal to win it. Um, still gutted now that we didn't win it. Um, but yeah, the, the story from going from middle eights, struggling to getting to Old Trafford um, and, and having a real good dig as well in the final, we didn't get disgraced at all, you know, by any means. I thought, you know, there's a, f- a few suspect calls that sort of, you know, which helped. I mean, not, I'm not, not taking any away from... Uh, St. Helens that day, they were, you know, they were by far the better team. Uh, they were a better team all year, to be fair. But, you know, we definitely didn't disgrace, disgrace ourselves. I thought we had a really good dig that day, and obviously, it just wasn't to be. Yeah, obviously, at that point, sort of Jackson Hastings sort of departed. Um, what was it? What was the thought, sort of, in the, in the squad? You know, were you all thinking, well, what happens now, or were you all thinking, you know what, we'll go again? Yeah, to be honest, that was that was the that was the thought. Um, 
I mean, as great as Jackson was um, as a player, um, you know, we had we had Kev coming in, different, completely different player, but also great in his own way. Um, you know, he's a very much a leader, very much a can take you around the park, which is which is shown this year. Um, and obviously, we still had Tui as well. So, you know, and we had other players coming in that we just sort of thought, well, yeah, this, there's nothing changes here. Um, if anything, we've got a better group, um, which you know we. If I'm not, yeah, we we didn't reach them heights in terms of the league, but you know this this season's been an absolute up and down. You know it's been a roller coaster to say the least, and uh, you know we got to we got to Challenge Cup final, um, very much deserved to be in the Challenge Cup final, and you know a pass goes there or a kick goes and we win it. So um, yeah, there was no there was no panic at all. If anything, there was excitement because we knew we could kick on and you know keep improving. Yeah, obviously you talk about the mindset really of the players and the you know wanting to yeah. achieve, wanting to sort of create something. Um, yeah. You know, look, looking at back at the sort of the the grand final and and sort of Wembley this and and really sort of putting yourself into sort of Red, Red Devils folklore really. And do you, do you sort of stop and think about that, or is that a kind of thing that you do when you when you hang your boots eventually? No, I think. It, it will be something like that, but no, I, you know, you do. Well, I, I do personally because I love all the. I'm a big, big, um, big, so, big softy really. So I like all the sort of romantic side of the right. game, and you know, you know, wouldn't it be brilliant? And but yeah, I mean, I do love that all that, and you know, you do, you do have them little moments where you think, you know, we've done obviously. Um, to lose was absolutely devastating, and you know, never, you know, you. You look for, I don't think you'll find anyone in that team or you shouldn't find anyone in that team that will be happy to just get to Wembley and, oh, look at this, I've got a silver medal. Well, I don't even know. The medal's somewhere in a draw somewhere now. And Because at the end of the day, you don't want to go to them places and lose. You want to go and you want to win. Yeah. Um, and I think that is, again, that's another thing, the, the mentality shift in, in, the, in the playing group is, you know, we don't want to get to finals. We want to win finals. Um, we want to be up and we want to be up there challenging every time and um, but yeah I mean that's it you know we've, we're 100% to have I mean again it's another one sitting with Flash because obviously this was this was his this was his, obviously his last year and sitting with Flash after the Challenge Cup and he come over I was, I was quite upset and he come over and just he said look end of the day so we've what we've done he said yeah we've not won we said but the club's been to Wembley you know, and won it once, and you know we we come within a we come within an inch of doing it again, and it's been all, you know nearly fifty years since they've been, and you know, and then obviously with the grand final and things like that, and it's just sort of you sit back and go, oh, we've done something here, we've done we've done something really well that we can be proud of, um, you know, and then obviously just being at the club, you sort of you just sort of see how much it means. I mean, there's not there's many fans, you know, that that sort of come on the days, but you know the how loud they are and you know it's, it is inspiring and I always I always go back to that Wigan game um, obviously being a Wigan kid and you know you wanted to play it but that literally felt like I was playing at home because all game you could just hear that stand just cut and obviously it was completely packed I've not seen that away and packed for well, about maybe five ten years now I um, mean that's generally just a, a Wigan, Wigan Saints derby and to see that um, completely packed just noise all game, Salford, and uh, you know all the Salford chants, and um, yeah, I just I've just really enjoyed it, and 
you know, sort of took it, took it a bit into my heart, really. Um, you know, my little lad, he, uh, when he goes to, when he goes to me, uh, to his nanas, he always, because they've got one of them, uh, what they call, is it the Google Dot thing where he, yeah, he speaks yeah. to Alexa, that type of thing. And obviously he realised that you can play music on it. So he's always, he always goes around and he says, Alexa, play Dirty Old Town. So uh-huh. he, obviously he's sort of, he's very much in the, in the thing about Salford as well. And whenever he thinks, oh, he sees anything rugby, he just goes, oh, Salford. So he doesn't know anything else, but Salford. And that's, you know, that's a big thing to me because obviously, um, with, with, with that as well. And yeah, just, uh, just really happy about it all, really. You know, it's, it's, because at the end of the day, I, I sort of, if you're looking at rugby league and, you know, which team which teams win Super League, it's, you know, there's been, never been four names on a trophy. So if you're being realistic, sort of, if you're not at one of them clubs, you go, you look at it and go, well, you know, it's probably you're going to struggle to win anything here. And, you know, to get Salford, of, you know, to, to the heights that we did and to be so close to winning, um, and then obviously to get to a cup final as well and be again so close to winning um, yeah it's just and to see what it means to everyone I mean when we came back on the bus um, from Wembley obviously we've been beat and I remember I think what time it might have been maybe a quarter to one in the morning or something like that, half twelve get back to the stadium and there's like you know a couple hundred people stood waiting for us and stuff and like it was it was just it was quite a quite a touching moment really because you know they, they sort of welcomed the team home and obviously we, we didn't come back with a trophy and you know but it was something that um, you know makes you really proud of you know what you've done and also what, what the fans sort of feel about you as well so um, no it's, it's, it's definitely something occur, occur quite, a, quite a lot really about the club now and um, you know it's sort of got yeah just <laughs> yeah it's a, good, it's a good place yeah um, you know on the show, we talk about Solver being an opportunity club a lot, um, and and now we're going to that next level. Um, is that kind of discussed in 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 the sort of the playing squad about sort of reaching the going to, to become a, a playoff team that are in the playoffs every year and competing in Challenge Cup finals every year? Yeah, it is. I mean, that's that's what we said um, going into 2019 that we wanted to. Yeah, one of our goals that year was to win, win a trophy. Um, obviously, you know, said it a couple of times, but we didn't. But but the main goal as well, that, that was to win a trophy and to change the perception that everyone has of Salford and us as, and us as players. Um, so I think a lot of people sort of look at the club and say, oh, you know, they'd only get so many fans and this and that. They've always been down the bottom, blah, blah, blah. The players are all... From you know, from wherever, um, but I think doing you know, going to the grand final, and then I think a few even then, a few people still going, Oh, it's a flash in the pan, they'll be back down doing nothing again next year. And then to get to Wembley, you know, I think we're just starting to well, yeah, I, well, I would like to think so. If, if it, that we're starting to um change that perception of us, um, and again, you know, we've had another upheaval, obviously, the coach leaving, um. But I think it's good for us as a group as now so that we can sort of prove that, yeah, obviously as great as Watto was for us all, which he was, um, and how good he was for the team and everything, and how good he was for the club, that we can also, the players, we can also, you know, show that it's just it's, it's just as much as us as well. You know, we're, we're doing 
we're doing our part for the club as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that is definitely something that we speak about, that we want to want to change perceptions of us. Yeah, it's, obviously, it's an exciting time uh, to, to be, uh, you know, a sole fan and a sole player like, like yourself. Yeah. <laughs> um, obviously, season finished. Um, you signed a, a three-year contract for, for, for Salford. Uh, it sounds like, obviously, you, you love the club and it was a no-brainer. Yeah, it was. I mean, I'm, like I said, I've said a couple of times that I really enjoy my time at Salford. I really enjoy being here. Because um, the, the main the main thing that sticks with me is it doesn't feel like doesn't feel like a job, which I know a lot of people will say. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's not the thing. But sometimes it re- you know it can really it can feel a, a chore sometimes. Or you know, if you're in certain environments that aren't the best, um, you know, you just sort of as, as privileged as we are to play rugby league as a you know as a, as a job. Um, there are certain times where. You know, and that, but that's that's that is the thing you want to be. It's a privilege, so it should feel like a privilege, and it should feel enjoyment, and it should feel, you know, everything should should be enjoyable about it. Um, you know, and that, that's what it's like at Salford. You know, well, it definitely has been the last this last two and a half years I've been here. I've, you know, I've been coming in, with your mates, um, into training, just having a laugh, get working hard together, having a you know, having a good, you know, having a good crack in that, and um, you know, that's that is the main thing, yeah. Just no brainer, really, because I, I, you know, I'm enjoying my time. Yeah, and part of the, you know, the promo video to celebrate was you uh, playing your guitar, dirty <laughs> old town. Um, was it secret <laughs> skill that that you could play the guitar? I will. I wouldn't say I can play. I, I mean, I can, I can string a few chords together. It's, it's still a very much a learning progress or a work in progress. Yeah, I mean, I. Yeah, I wouldn't say I can play. I can I can play a few chords and then I, I have to try and take my time and get to them. But uh, good singer though, on karaoke. I can do oh, that. Right. What's, what's your What's your favourite What's your favourite karaoke song? Oh, I've had a few. Um, wow. Depends what Depends what mood the the pub's in. If oh. it's If they need picking up, I'll give him like a Duran Duran, Hungry Like the Wolf. Uh, just get them all going again. Um, but if it's a bit, you know, I, I sometimes throw in. Um, I've done my way by Frank Sinatra a couple of times. That seems oh, to get quite a good, quite a good reaction. <laughs> don't, I don't know whether they've all just stunned into silence or how poor I am, but <laughs> I don't know what it is. But yeah, um, so yeah, I can, I can do. I'm a chameleon, really. I can do a few. I just, I just enjoy myself. You'll have the, you'll have the boys on the, on the, on the terrace making karaoke songs all about you now. <laughs> yeah, got a couple of quick fire questions to finish, uh, Greg. Uh, who's who's the best player you've played against, and who's the best player you've played with? Um, best player I've ever played with, I'd say uh, Sean O'Loughlin. Um, just because of, obviously, as a kid I was growing up and I was trying to, you know, he, he sort of played in, obviously played at 13, um, play 13, sometimes as a kid, play loose forward, or play prop, basically play in the middle. Um, but he was somebody that I always tried to pick stuff up off. And um, just, yeah, he's just a, and, and especially once I played with him, you just realise how, how good he is, um, how good of a leader he is as well. Because um, you just sort of, when you see, when you see him uh, on the team sheet with you and stuff, and I always remember we played, um, 
Grand Final, uh, Grand Final, sorry. Good Friday. It was the first ever Good Friday derby um, against Saints when I was a kid. And Lockers was struggling, really struggling with his with his ribs. He had like really, I think he had a really bad rib cartilage problem uh, injury. So he was getting, you know, he was getting pain killing jabs and come back. He come out of the room, do a bit of wrestle, no good. Go back in and he did it about two or three times. And I remember that the the, uh, the doc was sort of looking at him saying like, "Man, not be any good this." And then he didn't come out for the warm up. And I remember basically being proper nervous and thinking, if he don't, if he don't come out, I'm going to have to start this game. And obviously, all week I've been thinking, I'm coming off bench and trying to get my head around that packed house. And then I always remember there's about five minutes left of the warm up, and I'm thinking, right, get your end. If you're going in here, you're going to have to start. And he come running out, and it was like something out of Gladiator, like all <laughs> the fans, all the fans come up and everything. I I remember looking and thinking, and all all the sort of nerves just sort of drained out to me so I thought well he's he's going to play now and, he's, and if, if he's coming out he's going to play and he played and he was like that Superman that day he, just, he was nailing everybody knock, you know setting up tries and what have you and that was just the type of player he was um, but yeah I mean I'm trying to think of the best player I've played against uh, you know been a few good ones to be fair um, I couldn't say about you Greg eh? <laughs> I couldn't say about you <laughs> I bet they do. <laughs> um, well, why are you thinking? Uh, if you want, I'll just move on. If you want for the next question, if you want. Yeah, go on. Go on. Okay, who's the, who's the toughest player you played against and played with? Toughest? Yeah, I'd say four. I think both times I'd say Mickey Mac. Mickey Mac alone, just because, because he's an absolute. He's just. Uh, Changes. He's really like he wouldn't think it. Like, you know, he's one of them. Like on the field, he's an animal. He's running around. He's you know, he's just throwing his body at people, hurting everyone. And but off the field, he's like a completely different bloke. He's really quiet. He's just you know, he's a really good, really good fella. Um, but yeah, he's some of the tackles I've seen him do. And you know, you, you always thought when you play Catalan now, you sort you're always sort of catching the ball, looking up, just trying to see. You know, he's Mickey there. And generally, that's that's the opposite of what you do usually. Usually, you usually try and pick out the nine and run at the nine. That's like, you know, what they tell, tell those middles to try and do is, uh, you know, get the nine because he's the smallest guy. But, yeah, you, <laughs> you, a brave man will run at Mickey because, uh, you know, he'll cut you in two. So, and just how tough he is. I've seen him, you know, he's, with his injuries and stuff. He's had, you know, he's been he's been hobbling around all week and then he turns up on, on game day and, you know, he's, he's putting his body through, you know, some hell. And I think I'd say that. I think I think he's the toughest I've played with. And then obviously, he's probably the toughest I've played against as well. Talk about tough times. Um, this Super League season, took, they took the scrums away, didn't they? And you being yeah. in the middle, was that was that more hard work for you? Yeah, I think at first it was, yeah. At first, definitely, because you <clears throat> that's sort of your, your rest, if you will. That's when you can get a bit of a rest. But saying that, it was also good because sometimes I play loose forward, and obviously loose forwards don't, don't tend to be in the scrum. They have to sign, try and defend all the all the backs. So he's, he's taking the carries, and it was like, well, there's loads of space around me when there's when there's a scrum, and you've got Regan Grace dancing around or and things like that, and all these. I thought, well, it's. it's it's a bit of a bit of a plus this because at least we've got thirteen blokes now who can sort of have them have thirty seconds and then 
first seconds, then we can just carry on now. So, on, especially once you've got a couple of games in, it weren't even that, it weren't even that much, of a, much of an issue. So, you, you want to have them back then? To be fair, no, I wouldn't. Um, actually quite, I actually quite like the, the pace of the game now. and um, I think it just makes for a better game. And, the, yeah, the... Yeah, the scrums are just a bit. Yeah, if I'm honest, they, they are. <clears throat> bit not, of a, not what they should be. Uh, not at all. No, they're probably just a bit where the forwards can have a rest. Okay. For being honest, don't give don't give it away. They, don't, don't, they, they will bring them back if you say that. Well, well they never listen to us anyway. So uh, <laughs> I say that they might bring them back. Cool. <laughs> uh, back to the quick fire questions. Uh, we'll do we'll do the Salford team. Uh, who's who's the fittest? Uh, Salford. So Dan Sardinson. Uh Most um, intelligent. Yeah. Ooh, I'll probably say myself. I'll be up there. <laughs> General knowledge wise. Cool, cool. Did you have like Zoom quizzes and stuff to test that out? Eh? Did you have Zoom quizzes to test that out? Yeah, we we had I had one with my mates in uh, lockdown, and I never I don't think I ever lost. <laughs> Me and my missus, we never lost. So champion, champion, champion attitude you're talking about. That's it. That's it. I think um, that's what I might try and do when I finish. Go on the chase, become a chaser or something. It's been great chatting to you, to, to Greg, uh, today, Greg. Yeah. It's been fantastic. Yeah, I just thought probably it might not be. The, well, yeah, the, the biggest one I remember, or the best one in terms of playing against, I'd say uh, Steve Menzies. All right. That was a big one for me. Um, a lot of people probably say, well, they weren't the best when he played over here, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, just for what he did as a player, I uh, was a he was a giant in Australia. Um, came over here, you know, he's running around at fourteen. You know, you could have mistaken him for being twenty odd, and I scored my first ever try, but whilst knocking him off. Right. Um, so that's a big one. And then it came to me after the game. Obviously, I didn't think, and he just come to me. It come straight over to me, he was like shaking my hand and remembered. He said, "Oh, you, you got me there, mate, and stuff, and well done." Us. Obviously, he knew I was a kid, so. You know that was that was a bit, you know a big thing for me. That was more important than the try. I'm just I'm just recognising me and stuff. So uh, I probably say Steve Menzies just because yeah he's a bit of a legend of the game and you know I I got I got I got one over him once so I'll take that. Brilliant. Big great been great talking to you, Greg. It's been a great chat. And uh, have a look, uh, what what are you gonna do for Christmas? Is it what's uh, the Christmas look like in the Burke household? Well. I don't know, basically, because obviously my little boy, he's really excited about it all, so it'll no doubt be playing all his toy, playing with all his toys and him, him trying to bash me with whatever Avengers or wrestling thing he, you know, he likes now, and I'll just be getting terrored all day, really. So doing that, and then um, I think we might be going, might be going to my mum and dad this year, because obviously we try and go around the family, so we'll host it one year, go to my mum and dad's then to Nick's mum and dad's and, you know, just try and be, you know, as a family type thing. And I think it's mum and dad's turn this year. So we'll be going around there for the, for the dinner. So yeah, can't wait for that. It should be good. A bit of normality in the crazy year we've had. Yeah. It's been, it has been a very crazy year, but you know, it's one of them things we move forward. Hopefully next year we'll, uh, we'll get to, to, to the Challenge Cup final again or the grand final. Definitely. Yeah. That's, that's the plan. So um, yeah, fingers crossed and we'll be, we'll be doing all we can anyway to, to put us there. Cheers. That was Greg Greg Burke talking to me about his soul career. Big thanks. Now on to boxing and I'm with Paul 
White said, and this week is home to an absolute mega fight. It's the trilogy between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. And we'll all remember in the last matchup between the pair, Fury absolutely walked through the bronze bomber, completely annihilated him. And to be honest, it was one-sided. And I think many expected it to go the same way. Up until the last couple of weeks, Paul, Tyson Fury not looking in the greatest of shape. And could that be detrimental going into this fight? Could he have taken his eye off the ball? Yeah, we were just chatting before about this, wasn't we? And like you say... He's not gone over to America early doors as he's sort of going last minute and he's had a few bits and pieces in his personal life. And, you know, Deontay Wilder's really switched on for this fight. There's no doubt about that. He's got the motivation. And, you know, is he going to be mentally ready for this one? Is he going to be mentally fatigued, Tyson Fury? I'm not too sure. We'll find out on the night. We've both spoke about the uh, the shape that he looks in at the moment. He doesn't look in, in the best sort of condition and shape. So I'm not too sure whether he's, you know, his, his, his preparation's been, been flawed for this fight. So it's going to be a tough one. There's no doubt about that. As we said before, Deontay Wilder, you know, you know, he walked through some of his punches last time, got off the canvas. And, you know, there's no doubt about Tyson Fury's heart and his, his chin. He can, he can take a punch. But, you know, if he's not prepared, for this fight, he could be in for it for a shot because Deontay Wilder can hit and he's a, he's a decent boxer as well, so it promises to be a, a fascinating encounter. I mean, when this first got announced, I think most of us viewed Tyson Fury as a massive favourite that he'd win the battle nine out of ten fights unless he got caught by Deontay Wilder's massive power. Looking at the condition Tyson's in and his lack of training and the fact that he's only just rocked up to the United States now and the fact that Deontay Wilder appears to be extremely motivated and he's working very, very hard. How far has the pendulum swung in Wilder's favour? Is Tyson still the favourite or should Wilder put this? Um, I, th- I think he, I think he's probably levelled things up. I think it's a 50-50 fight now for me. I, I really do. I thought it was going to be close anyway. There's no doubt about that. These, these fights always are. Because what you've got to remember is when it's going on to a, a trilogy, Deontay Wilder's probably learnt, learnt things from, from the first two fights, as is Tyson Fury. I mean, that works both ways. But they fought each other twice now. They know what each other are about. Uh, they know each other's styles and things like that. So um, so I, I think it'll be a very close fight. I think it always is when people go go again. It, it, it's always a different different contest, a different different from the from the first fight because they know what to expect. So um, so yeah, I think it's still very close, still very close. But uh, but yeah, Deontay Wilder he's got he's got a massive chance now in this. There's no doubt about that. But you know, with these two guys, if either one of them connects, it's uh, it's good night Vienna really. So we, we've seen that in Deontay Wilder's career up to now. He's you know he's floored many many heavyweights with the, with one punch and that's all that's all it takes in in this division so as i said before promise to be a fascinating encounter i hope Tyson Fury does himself justice we don't want him to go there and get absolutely flat and we hope it's a fantastic contest and goes all the way and we see some 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 great boxing Paul, you've said you think it's a 50-55 but if i had to put you on the spot which way would you call it right now i'd still go with Tyson Fury i still think Tyson Fury is an incredible boxer um, the way he moves and, and things like that. I, I think, without being disrespectful to Deontay Wilder, I think he's he's more of a, not a one-trick pony, but I don't think he's got as much in his armoury as what Tyson Fury's got. He's not as slippery as Fury, so uh, I'd still stick with Fury to, to outbox him and, uh, and and get to him late in the later rounds. Now, looking at the undercard, there's some great heavyweight action. Adam Kanaki, the Polish sensation, he was on a fantastic rise, beating the likes of Charles Martin, Arthur Spilka, people like that, Chris Ariola as well. And then he ran into Robert Hellenius and got knocked out. It's now time for a redemption for him, potentially, on this undercard. Do you think he'll get it? 
Yeah, I think so. I think, as you said before, he's been in some terrific contests with some 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 big names there that you've mentioned. But I think it's time for redemption now. He's had uh, had good training for this, a good, a good camp, and you know he's got got some good skills. Tough, tough, tough man as well. So so yeah, this is this is the stage for him now. You know, it's, I'd say it's probably now and ever for him, really, isn't it? So he's got to perform. Uh, come come the fight night, and, uh, and you know it's all on the line for him. Really, there's no no sort of going back after this one. And a couple of other matchups: Effort and Jagger, Frank Sanchez, a good matchup between two undefeated heavyweights, and Jared Anderson taking on Vladimir Teshirenkin. And Anderson's a nine and fighter, and people may have heard his name because he's been in the camp with Tyson Fury. And there's rumours that he actually knocked Tyson out in sparring. So I'll be interested to see how he does on the big stage. Yeah, definitely. You hear these stories quite a lot, don't you, about sparring and people knocking each other out and he's knocked him out at sparring. It, it, sometimes it, the, the stories what you, you hear of in the gym, are, yeah, they, they're amazing stories, but it's totally different, I think, when you get under the lights in front of a crowd um, and you've got that, that, that atmosphere. Um, so, yeah, it'll be an interesting uh, to match up that. But, yeah, sparring is completely different to uh, to, to fighting there and it's it's... It's a totally different atmosphere, a totally different pressure as well, so um, so we'll have to see how that pans out. Now, moving back over to Merseyside, there's a fantastic derby for the Scousers. Liam Smith, the former champion of the world, taking on Anthony Fowler. And we were talking just prior to coming on air, and you were telling me that you think it's a little bit too early for Fowler and Smith will be a bit too seasoned for him. Yeah, I think so. It's one of those... Um, if Anthony Fowler does get the win, everybody will be saying, oh, Liam Smith's over the hill and things like that. Because sometimes a fight, one fight can be one fight too many or he can get caught out or, or whatever. But I don't know. I still think Liam Smith's got it in him. I still think he's got big fights in him. He showed that before where he's come up against up-and-coming fighters and he's, he's put them away with, with, uh, with comfort, really. And, you know, Liam Smith's been in with some of the best fighters in the world, hasn't he? And, all right, he's come up short a few times. Anthony Fowler, this is a massive step for him now. Uh, there's no doubt that Anthony Fowler's got talent. He's got a terrific engine as well. You know he can he can box, you know, 10, 12 rounds no problem at all. Um, terrifically fit lad as well. And I think what what makes it that bit bit more special is the the Liverpool derby as well, isn't it? You know it's always great when you get two fighters from the same city fighting against each other. It just adds that extra bit of uh, bit of spice. And uh, I think this will be a great fight. But I think Liam Smith will just have too much for him. I, I really do. But if Anthony Fowler does get the result, I think that does propel him then. Um, onto the world stage and, and opens all sorts of doors for him. So this will again will be another uh, very very intriguing encounter. But uh, one I'm, I'm really looking forward to. It's a good card at Liverpool and it should be a smashing night. Do you think if Liam Smith is defeated on this card, that could be the end of his career? That's what I was alluding to there before when I was talking. It when you when you're a fighter like Liam Smith and you've been in these these massive um, massive fight nights on on either side of the Atlantic and all over the world. When you come back to your home city and you're fighting somebody who's probably not at the same level or not been at the same level as you, if you were to lose that fight, surely that makes him think, you know, have I have I done everything? Because then you you sort you're talking about dropping down then and fighting at sort of European level or, or trying to get back up the ladder again. And when you get to a certain age, I'm not quite sure how old Liam Smith is now, but he's in his thirties. When you get to that sort of age. Are you going to get back to the level you were at before? I mean, another fighter who's been a bit like that's Ricky Burns, isn't it? I mean, 
he's been all over the world, fought fights, and then come down and back down to a level, but carries on because he's got the motivation for it. So it all depends out how motivated Liam is and you know how, how things go in that fight. But uh, you know he's from a terrific stock of boxers and his family have been tremendous for the sport. You know his brother Callum's uh, doing big things as well. So uh, so yeah, I don't know how how, he, how it'd go that one. I'd like to think he'd carry on, but uh, it all depends where what what doors open for him really. But as I said, promises to be a great fight. Looking on that undercard, we've got Ted Cheeseman back in action against Troy Williams, uh, Troy Williamson, and then Shannon Court on the bill as well. But I think the big cheese is the one we'll all be looking forward to because he always puts on a fantastic display, doesn't he? He does, he does. He's another terrific fighter. I mean, you can never accuse him of, of fighting on the back foot. He's always on the front foot and he's been in some terrific wars as well. And, you know, he'll fight somebody on, on like, um, he fights somebody in a phone box, wouldn't he? he? He loves getting up close and taking the punches. He's a bit like Sam Eggington, that sort of fighter, isn't he? Real, real gunslinger. And um, every fight he's been in has been, been a joy to watch. And uh, he's a fighter that. You know, punches above his weight. I think sometimes as well. Um, I think he doesn't get the credit he deserves. So, that Ted Cheeseman's always an exciting man to have on on your card, and I think that's why the promoters love to to have him on the card. So, uh, promises to be great. Shannon Courtney as well has been in some terrific battles over the last eighteen months or so. You know, she's she's fought um, outside, hasn't she, on the on the Eddie Hearn shows and, and done tremendously well. So, um, so that promises to be another cracking uh, fight. It'd be a great fight night of this in Liverpool. The fans are in for a real treat with with these uh, matchups that have been made. Now, Paul, it's time to say goodbye to a boxing great. We've done it a couple of times on the show before because it's not the first time he's announced his retirement, but Manny Pacquiao has officially hung up the gloves. And I feel after the loss to your Danish Dugas and at 42 years of age, it really is goodbye to the Filipino great. What are your overall memories of Manny Pacquiao? Is there any particular fight that stands out? Because I don't think there'll ever be any fighter again who wins world titles in eight different weight classes. Oh, I think you, you could do a whole show on Manny Pacquiao, couldn't you, and his, his exploits and things like that. But for me, as a, as sort of a, a British Englishman, <clears throat> I think his fight with, with Ricky Hatton a long time ago now, um, you know, I was a lot younger then, but listening to that on the radio, uh, I didn't have Sky Television then or anything, I listened to that on the radio, that you know, that, that fight that night and the way he performed and then look, reading about it in the papers and things like that, I thought he was a tremendous fighter and... Every time I've seen him, he's just one of those fighters that he's just so energetic and the amount of punches he throws and oh, he's just great, great to watch. Real, really fit guy. And that's why he's kept going till he's, he's 42 because of the tremendous condition that he's always in. He you know, walks around at the weight, really, doesn't he? And uh, absolutely dedicated to the sport, lives and breathes boxing. And uh, yeah, he'll go down as one of the, of the great fighters. And I suppose at the end of the day, things come to an end, don't they? You look at Sergio Martinez, he's another one that's still sort of rounding about fighting in his 40s. And uh, these guys keep going, don't they? But I think, you know, every every fighter's days have to come to an end. And I think it's probably about the right time now for uh, for Manny Pacquiao. An investigation in the 2016 Olympics has revealed that corruption was at place. And Paul, we talk so often about dodgy decisions in this sport and absolutely nothing gets done about it. But after this investigation into the 2016 Olympic Games in Rio, something is getting done. It looks like some of the fighters who were involved in corruption, the likes of Michael Conlon and Joe Joyce, who were robbed of Olympic medals, could get upgraded and they could receive the Olympic medals that they actually deserve. Yeah, I suppose for them really it's probably a bit a bit flat now really, isn't it, to, to, to receive your medal like that, you know, once it's all done and dusted. Um retrospectively it's it's not the same is it as, as as receiving it in the time and in, in that moment in time and 
you know, all the, all the glory that comes with it. But, uh, but yeah, you know, things need putting right, don't they? We, we still see wrong decisions and things like that. Now, I'm not saying um, Camel Hatton's was was corruption, but look at the the scoring on that. You know, the other week it was it was very very poor. So, so yeah, it's horrible to see that. You know, corruption in sport, any sort of sport, really. Last question of the day for you, Paul. Terence Crawford, he's finally got a big fight. It's not quite Errol Spence, but he'll be stepping into the ring on November 20th at the Mandalay Bay against Sean Porter. And do you think this will be a bit of a field day for Crawford where he can finally highlight his amazing skills? I think it'd be a bit of both. I think it'd be a bit of both. I think he will get taken to a place where he's probably not been before. It's it's a massive, massive test. But we've spoke about Terence Crawford before and being one of the elite fighters on the planet. And I think you know, if he carries on fighting the way we've seen him fight, I think it'd be be a, a good night for him. And I think he'll he'll get the result. Uh, but it'll be a test. It'll be a massive test for him, and it promises to be. A fantastic fight and a fantastic setting as well, a fantastic arena. So uh, that's one that uh, definitely should be on your calendar for any boxing fan. Big factory is this week's Sports Zone on Salford City Radio. Just a quick uh, update for the Manchester Storm fans uh, this week. Uh, they are away at Nottingham Panthers and then at home to Dundee Stars on a Sunday. So hopefully Ryan Finney's men can uh, pick up a win or two on the, there and we'll be talking all about it on the Sports Zone uh, next week. So big thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week for more Salford Sporting Chat on Salford City Radio.